All right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of How I Met Your Mortgage. As always, I'm your host, Adam Smith, with Just the Tips Coaching. And with me, pretty much as always, is our co-host, one of our other coaches, our marketing director, Yogi Somier, superhuman, Jen Weborhart. Hey, Jen. Hi, Adam. Good to see you. You too. It's my birthday week. It is your birthday week. 29. It's a big one. 29 all over again, right? All over again. No, yeah. I don't well, mind 30s. They're great. Okay. I'm glad you said that. Um, and we have a really <laughs> uh, cool guest for you guys today. Uh, someone that we've had on our show in the past just because we think the entertainment factor is through the frickin' roo. But welcome back to the show, Chris Griffith. What's up, man? Oh, busy, dude. Stuff everywhere, you know? The <laughs> there is here. a Oh, it is uh, a chaotic time of year, no question. Yeah, and it looks like you're uh, nestled in Texas and about ready to go on a hunt. Oh, just warm, man. It's kind of <laughs> chilly down here. So, yeah, hoodies, hoodie season, beard season. Hoodie what season. is chilly, though? What, yeah. is, what is chilly? We've been into the freezing temps already at night. Like daytime, we're warming up this week, but daytimes, you know, for some of them in the 40s and 50s. So. Chilly. Yeah, that is there, chilly yeah. down there. That is All chilly. Right, fair enough. Um, and 50s, of course, in the you know late fall, winter in Colorado is actually pretty spectacular. And I think if I saw right, we're uh, expecting 60s, even close to 70 this week. So we're yeah. going to have a really nice little stretch and hopefully you guys do too. So tell us what you've been up to, Chris Griffith. It's been a minute, man. Been up to a little bit of everything. I think if anyone's followed along with my story at all, they'll quickly realize that I'm kind of a, a serial entrepreneur to some degree. I like fixing problems, uh, things I see as issues that I think, you know, bold enough to write to think as a nobody that, hey, maybe I can do something better or do something a little bit different. So we opened up a slaughterhouse, a meat processing facility on November 1st. My wife opened up a wine and cheese bar with her mom and sister on April, like uh, early April this year. Um, and then plus we've had a lot of growth at the mortgage company, Be My Neighbor Mortgage. We've had a lot sure. of growth at Veta VA. Um, we're still acquiring investment properties. So we have uh, quite a bit going on. Girls on the cheerleading team and basketball and just uh, life, you know. This, this is the widest array of entrepreneurial shit I think we've heard from somebody on the show. Uh, because, yeah, not a lot of our you know, finance people, you know, when, when we're talking about how oh, everybody from Barry Habib on down and certainly not uh, of our sales and uh, psychology gurus from Rene Rodriguez on down and certainly all of the loan originators and real estate agents that we have on the show that do a pretty wide variety of different things. Um, I, you know, take the term side gig, but let's uh, you know, call a spade a spade. Uh, but I am willing to say that from mortgages to slaughterhouses is, um, yeah, probably the widest gap we've uh, seen covered. So what are, what are we slaughtering? Cattle? Beef? Beef for the most part. And then deer right now. It's deer season down here. Deer season around uh, most of the U.S. probably at the moment. Sure, sure. Beef and deer. So and, and really the thought ideology behind having a processing facility was we about two years ago, bought a big chunk of land to start our land and cattle company. And the processing facility gives us an ability to move that meat in kind of a retail fashion so that now our cow calf operation on our land 
is actually much more profitable. It gives you the ability to take raw land, purchase it using really great debt, and then make it profitable within 24 months. And if you can do that, now you have the ability to put together a land portfolio, right? Which has kind of always been a dream of mine. I grew up poor. We didn't have land. I say poor. I grew up not like, I don't, I don't know, like there were poor people, right? But we weren't, we weren't in any sort of uh, great financial position. We didn't get to have a lot of the other things I saw other people have, um, which didn't hurt me or anything. Just kind of made me want to pursue those things. And never in the history of how I met your mortgage has somebody said something so Texas. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, this is pretty wild. All right. So let, let's simplify some of this for our audience who's probably not uh, thinking, hey, I want to slaughter beef as a side gig. Let's do that. I can make it relatable. So, you know, the funniest thing I've found about people that have money. They don't know what to do with it most of the time. Mm. They're taking really dumb risks. They end up throwing it into things that aren't very profitable or don't deliver the tax abatement needs that they were hoping for, or they don't have the capacity or know how to build a team to manage those different things appropriately. So most of the time they just invest in other people's stuff. Yeah. Right. I got my start in investing, uh, I don't know, like 12 years ago, 13 years ago or something. I led point on an acquisition of a 232 unit apartment complex purchased for about 6.7, 6.6 million with concession. Um, today's probably worth about 18 to 22, somewhere kind of in that ballpark. So I've always been fascinated with rapid growth. How do you, how do you go from here to here, right? How do you, how do you rapidly get a huge Delta? And it, like I always say this, but Heath Ledger and um, oh, what was the name of that movie? <laughs> uh, night's tell a night's tell okay you know i want to change my stars how do you change your stars and so i was always fascinated like i can do this i have the ability even though i didn't come from a, a good place to start but i have the ability to take one thing leapfrog and compound it with multiple other things right if you're in housing and housing alone what do you do well you go through major cycles anyone out there listening to that right now that that statement hits home with a little bit the last 12 months has not been a huge up cycle for a lot of mortgage people and what happened? hopefully everybody a lot of those one trick ponies sorry we don't have to say it as abruptly but masters of one right they go through these periods where now their income their ability and the time that they have to compound the values that they're creating to create legacy for family all of those uh, the the trajectory of them, velocity of them decline rapidly. And so I didn't want to get into a position where cycles would be able to stop me from growing because you only have so much time. Right. And so in each of the businesses that we have, it's always been about something that I'm passionate about, something that I love that I want to be a part of something that seems like there's a lot of opportunity in because of the way the market's built or the status quo is and how it's changing, whether it's tech, whether it's food. Like, doesn't matter what it is. Most businesses are structured the same, but I didn't want to just throw money into other people's things that I didn't have any control or understanding of. Right. I'd done a little bit of that and it hasn't hurt badly, but I've seen a lot of people lose in a big way. So for me, it was about starting things and controlling things that I had control of to some degree. Right. And that way, if it blew up in my face, Hey, it's on me. The reality is if you're starting a small business out there, how many small businesses fail? If you don't go into Most. starting a, boss, a, a small business thinking, how am I going to fail at this? Back up, go back to the starting line and think about that problem because statistics show that you have a very good and very high chance of failure. And so I didn't want my entire family, since we're self-employed, my entire family's financial um, you know, wherewithal, where we're at, what we can do, what we can't do, to be based solely on one thing. Mortgages are great. 
Real estate's great. They produce phenomenal profits during certain periods of time. But when the cycle goes down, what happens then, right? How do you, if you're looking to have uninterrupted compound interest growth, how do you make sure that a market cycle doesn't stop your impede your ability to rapidly grow and compound the values that you had going into it? So my goal was always to take the things that were highly profitable during their seasons and use them to begin other things that would also likely yield a very good cash flow and equity growth kind of a margin. With different cycles. Yeah. With many of those people opposing cycles in theory. I mean, honestly, if you're an originator or a real estate agent right now, did you rat hole or invest enough money into liquid things during 2020 and 2021? Or are you kind of getting to the end of this 2023 year going, dang, I wish I would have started uh, cutting back just a little bit sooner. I wish we'd have put more money into X, X, and X. The inflation that we all went through. One of the biggest reasons why we bought a ton of assets in 2021 was we saw the writing on the wall for a rapid curve of inflation. And the way that that works, works out well if you're holding assets that are going to be inflated, right? But you don't want to ride a tsunami of inflation on a surfboard. You want to be in a, an oil tanker, right? Something that's like half a mile long. You're going to have a better ability to stay on top of that wave, right? Safer on top of that wave than you would otherwise. And so during those periods when we saw the things like inflation coming in, when we had interest rates in our favor, when you know acquisition was still there, if you could find the right asset, we looked at different industries, different assets, and decided and chose basically what do we think is going to develop the most over the next several years, right? We got into landing cattle and beef production two and a half years ago, and today currently we're sitting at the smallest cow herd in the United States that we've had in maybe ever. It's it's in a certainly a long, long period of time, right? And so you have a uh, supply issue to some degree, COVID exacerbated supply issues, right? Because sure. they're all going through these huge processing facilities that had to shut down. So, you know, take the money that you make and invest it wisely into things that you enjoy, that you're passionate about, that are going to help to carry you when we go through these cycles. So you don't get stuck in this place that says, oh God, oh God, oh God, I have to find this next loan. It's all I, it's all I can think about. I can't, I have to call everybody. I have to, have to, have to. Have to you get driven into these fear holes because you don't really have another option. And so I didn't Ooh. want my, I didn't want my vision and my, my goals to be based off of forced needs. I like where this is going. Cause we're seeing a lot of it. In fact, I don't know if we already recorded it, Jen, but I know I wrote a script for the video, the weekly video blog, the weekly little tip about that fear, that desperation. And even worse than, so many people, I would say the majority of those two industries that you just described, mortgages and real estate, falling into that pit. I'm even now starting to see people try to capitalize off of that fear, Yeah, which just drives me up a wall. Yeah, disingenuous stuff, right? That's always been something that irritated me. Another thing was in mortgages and housing, one of the things that I kind of came onto the scene with was talking people through how to make a wise financial choice in growing this real estate asset. And so you'll see Loan officers or real estate agents talk about, oh, this is how you buy an investment property. And it's like, hey, I'm just curious how many investment properties you own. And they're like, well, none currently, but I have one back in 1966 pickup sticks or something like that. And it's like <laughs> all of these people advising and educating on something that they're not actively involved in. That seems hypocritical to me. I don't, I don't want to be professing this thing that I hope to be true because I read about it in a memo that came from my marketing department and said, hey, this is a good thing to talk about this week. When I'm talking to people about investing into assets, whether it's single family properties, commercial family properties, land development, right? We're getting ready to build a 200 unit RV park. That one's been, banking's kind of caused a pain in that one for about the last 
12 months because oh, lending got a little bit tighter on commercial build products like that. But I didn't want to be advising from a place of speculation. I wanted to be actively involved in it. So we own some apartments. We own some land we're going to build RV parks on, own some land and cattle. Raw land is one of the hardest investments to pick up, acquire, maintain, and turn profit out of that you can possibly do, right? I own a bunch of single family uh, REOs that we bought from the VA, biggest, coolest financing product for investment properties that exist on the face of the earth that I'm aware of, right? But it's all of these things that I'm personally a part of so that when I'm advising to people or educating potential consumers that may need my mortgage services on something, I've got substance that other people don't have. I'm not just right. out there saying, hey, Rachel Logan, odd, oddly enough, I did post today about if you have a rate that begins with eight, maybe time to refi kind of a thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> maybe. But a little cheeky stuff. I'm not a... You know, everyone uses this the phrase. Um, what is it? Um, oh gosh, now I'm messing it up. Master of uh, yeah, the, jack of all trades. Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, but oftentimes better than a master of one. That's the rest of that quote. Most people just know the front part that says jack of all trades, master of none. That's not the full quote. The second part is, but oftentimes better than a master of one. To be well-rounded in this life is incredibly important. And society has a way of taking a full quote, dropping it down to something a little more fitting to the thing that they're trying to market or claim or state, and then that's it. I mean, even super, I don't want to say, like nothing against the guy, but uh, Matt Ishbia, right? He's a big proponent of being focused on one thing, on one thing, on one thing. And I get it, but he just bought a basketball team after he came out of mortgages. Now, I know he knows a lot about basketball from his days up at what, Michigan State, I think Michigan it was. Michigan State, yeah. But at the same time, now, okay, now you're talking about $2 billion company. Like, at what point does your attention being divided not become an issue? So it seems to me it has much more to do with how you train leaders and managers of the entities that you're growing and developing but also, if you don't have a lot to start with, right, having enough of those seeds planted so that when you get into the future, if you have a couple things crash, like I could have probably two or three companies fail and I'd still have three or four successful ones going right now. Right. That's my security. I think that's a very big deal. And I, you know, it's funny because we talk about some of this in uh, certainly more hyper-focused arena when we talk about the end goal for our coaching clients. And they're all real estate agents and mortgage originators for the most part. There are a couple of other industries here and there that uh, seek out our services, I guess I would say. But nobody is thinking about how to build their businesses where they can walk away from them and still get paid by them. And yeah. that's insane to me. It's, I agree. I think it sounds nuts. Do I want to originate mortgages for the rest of my life? No. How about slinging uh, no. for sale signs into yards? No, it's the same reason I'd rather go to an all-you-can-eat buffet than just a you know one <laughs> one burger place. Right? I want to try a lot of different things. Life is short for all of us. We we have a finite amount of time where we get to experience things, evolve, learn new things, and you never know what those new things and those completely separate things a processing facility that are that are going to impact me and cause me to make changes in a mortgage company, right? Because it's all business. It's all to some degree relatable. But your life isn't just about the thing that you do. You're more than the job that you do every day. And it seems like too many people get hung up in this concept where I'm a loan officer and that's who I am. That's not who you are. That's what you do. 
You know, what else do you do? Uh, I see Jen nodding at that one. That's always a big <laughs> deal for us. And here's another funny little thing for those of you uh, listening to Chris talk about this. People don't care what you do. They care about who you are. That's Bingo. one of the biggest pieces of this entire relationship business, whatever relationship business you're in. People care. What's the old colloquialism? Nobody cares what you know until they know that you care. Yeah. Yeah. It, you're right? exactly it's, right. It's all about who you are, not what you do. Oh, there's a little ping from Rocky. Uh, up, Rocky? Hey, hey, Rocky. Good to see you, man. Or, yeah, I guess no, it's kind of seeing him. When we talk about marketing, so this is a huge thing right now for all these originators and agents out there. It's like, how do I market myself more? How do I email my database more? How do I text blast them more? Well, guess what? All of those people are my friends on Facebook. And I don't have to sell oh, here we go. mortgages every <laughs> week or every other day for them to stay involved and top of mind with who I am. Maybe they don't like plenty of things about me. That's a reality. None of us love every single thing about another human being. There are plenty of things you don't like. I have people that I know do not like me. However, when I share a flower post or when I share a post about my daughter's cheerleading or when I share a post about some topic that they also like, boom, now we're somewhat relatable. And now there's a small bridge built to where, okay, maybe they human, I'm humanized a little bit more in their eyes and they decide, okay, maybe this mouthy bearded Texan jarhead guy isn't so bad. He likes flowers. Like, I don't know what that's about, but I like flowers too. So let's talk about flowers. And now I'm staying in top, top of their mind based off of their common interests. And this is really important. I see too many originators out there and, and loan off, or agents that are afraid to put themselves out there, that are afraid to put all of themselves out there. And I understand why, right? I got burnout. I was on Facebook way more than like most people for probably about four and a half, five years. And it takes a toll on you. And so I yes, got, it does. I went through a period of time where for like 12 months, everyone's like, where are your videos? It's like, I don't want to talk to y'all right now. So, you know, like whatever. <laughs> but how, how long ago, Jen, was Chris on the show when, and because I repeat this shit all the time, I would be willing to bet that I re reference it once a week still that a colleague of ours in Texas, Chris Griffith, said Facebook was his favorite CRM. Best CRM on earth. Yeah. I mean, right. he probably said it the first time he was on, and I think this it's is your years. fourth time on the show. Yeah, Chris, it's been so years. It's been years. Yeah, I think the very first time that someone recorded me saying that was at one of those AIM events or something like that, and I was on Pitts's podcast with him, and that was probably eight, nine years ago now. But the reality was, when I I went through a hard period in like 2016, 17, I was in Franktown, so just down south of Denver a little bit, right? Yeah, you were right here. The market was having problems. You weren't seeing the agents. The agents weren't sending me business anymore. And I was doing what Core said. I was calling them every week oh, for God. a year after I sat down with them. I'm hammering the phones. Hey, can you want to go to coffee? Can I buy you a donut? Like, Come on, get out of here with that. I was. <laughs> and I got fed up with it. And I listened to myself one day, leaving a voicemail, trying not to sound needy, but oh my God, neediness reeks. And so I got fed up with it. And so what I did was I was already in a ton of Facebook groups. I looked for every comment about housing, mortgage, interest rates, any of those things that I had a very good handle on the information in the market around. And I started talking about it. People ask questions. I'd answer their questions. I'd show them what's driving my answers, you know, charts, guidelines, all of these things. And I kind of became known as the guy you really didn't want to argue with about anything related to VA, because if I started to argue about it, 
they already knew that I was certain of whatever. I mean, and not to say I was always right, because there's certainly things that I learned along the way. But having that forced need to go to a social media place to help drive my business, not as a like a, hey, I'm only going to answer your questions if you go out and complete a lead sheet or an application on my website. I was having conversations with people. All uh, Law officers, agents, you know, you need to have more conversations with people that are have a need for the thing that you're selling and, and manage those really well to drive your business. That's the fundamental piece of how you develop, a, you know, the lead pipeline, if you will. Facebook offered me an opportunity to talk to thousands of people all over the place. And the ones that I wasn't licensed in the state that they could help, I could pair them or partner them with someone that I knew was there, right? And then follow up with it and make sure they were being taken care of. And that still got credited to me by that original person as the person that helped solve their problem. I have those people that still come back 10 years later and ask me if I'm licensed in their state now, right? But the point is to get into the most amount of conversations you can that with people that have need of the information that you hold and then showing them how that information can impact the circumstance that they're trying to solve for. Like that's the heart and soul of a sale right there. Oh, nailed it. We talk about that a lot too, the difference between sales by manipulation or sales by problem solving. And for those of you watching or listening, really think long and hard about which one you're doing, which one you're trying to do, especially right now. Uh, because yeah, those of you that are trying to sell off the fear that all of these people are having that they're all going to have over the next quarter, unacceptable. That is sales by manipulation. Let's sell by problem solving. Much better resolutions. Always. People will come back to you. They, they learn that you are the person that will give them an audience, share whatever you have of value to, to them for free because it's a good thing to do. And who wouldn't want to do business with a person that they see as just someone willing to help because they can, not because they're getting something from it, but because they can and investing their time, even though they, they logically know this other person has a need to work this is the thing that they do that drives their financial gain for their household. When they see that, they appreciate it. And you create a trust bond. And here's the more important part. It's not just the person that you're talking to that you're trying to influence to the point that they realize that's what you're there to do. It's all the people that are reading along later. My posts come up and get tagged and get recommented on from years ago all of the time. And each and every time that happens, anyone that reads through that thread who of us doesn't read through a whole thread when there's totally. a topic that we're intrigued in, right? Yep. And they see me willing to help, answering questions, arguing sometimes when people are being really pushing things in the wrong way and driving incorrect information. Like, whatever, I like to argue a little bit. Get over it. But, you? Yeah, I know. Uh, right? I, I've gotten a little bit better about it, I think, but probably not a lot better. Not a lot. <laughs> but we like it. So that's what we're going to continue to do. And that's what we're going to continue to expect. So yeah, that's okay there. But yeah, you're talking, you know, another polar opposite here is, and again, this is the same kind of thing. If you're selling based on fear, if you're selling based on manipulation, you are selling in a manner that is beyond self-serving and nothing more. And the opposite end of that spectrum, like it is with all of these other finer points, is creating information, creating content, contributing, where it's for the greater good of the community and of your community. And whatever that happens to be, if that happens to be the meatpacking in 
community in Texas, then so be it. If it happens to be the mortgage community or the real estate community in your town or something really, really hyper local where you just want to be helping the people in your neighborhood, then we get it. We see it. And by the way, the sales by manipulation, the sales by building off of that fear, people see through that shit. They know. We're not dumb. Humans are not dumb. Consumers are not dumb. Not anymore. Fuck, for those of us that are alive right now, we've been somebody's target audience since birth. We know when we're being sold. We know when we're being manipulated. And we know when there is somebody out there honestly and genuinely creating for the greater good of whatever that community is, and that it is the exact opposite of somebody trying to manipulate us. It's Too many people sit down and think about, okay, I need to put out another piece of content that today because Gary V said I have to drop 15 pieces of content, content a, day. a day. And the whole thing <laughs> that guides, don't do that. People get tired of you. Like even Gary V, I get tired of you. He puts out too much stuff, right? Well, in our audiences, and granted, this may not be true when it comes to, you know, buying land, raising cattle, slaughtering deer, whatever the case may be. Because frankly, those subjects are a hell of a lot more interesting than real estate and mortgages. Yeah. These are pretty boring subjects, except for the person who happens to be embedded in that process right then and there. And that's not what you're looking to target. You're already dealing with those people. You're looking to increase your audience. You're looking to increase your content consumption, those kinds of things. The relationships and, you have. Yeah, absolutely. And posting 15 times a day about mortgages, I'm going to do that. News. But think about your content, not, not from a perspective of what do I want to get out of this? Think about your content as who's the audience I'm trying to speak to? Ooh. What are the problems that they're facing? Oh. What do I know that can help them overcome those problems? And then don't ask to get anything out of it. You mean like what would they want to see here, read, yeah. watch? Not 100%. what would you want to see here, read, watch? A hundred percent. And it's easier when you're new in the industry because you have a lot of ignorant things that uh, that you're still trying to figure out as well. So it's like, oh. Well, I just learned this thing and I wish I would have known that. Maybe this is a good idea for content. Hey, if you're dumb like me and you didn't know that the VA child care letter was going to be used against you, just so you understand how this works, listen to the next 20 seconds and I'm going to tell you, right? Like, think about the things that you want to learn about as a consumer in that industry, as somebody impacted in that industry and make your content surrounding that and how that information solves a problem. Oh, That's the thing I'm doing with beef right now. There's right? another like, piece of that. There's Denver State. That. Do you know where Denver State comes from, Adam? Not a clue. Most people don't, but they'll right. order it off of a menu. They see that it's incredibly well marbled. They never hear anybody talk about it. So we'll create a video that shows where on the cow the Denver State comes from, how you manufacture it by pulling it out of the beef, how you trim it, and then give them a recipe to cook it. And guess what? They're going to be watching all of Whiskey Creek processing videos. And the next time that they want to order some beef, who are they going to likely order from? Uh, probably Whiskey Creek. Just yeah. throwing that out there. Um, so I'm, I'm, we're going to have to wrap this up. And Jen, get Chris booked for another episode because we can talk to this cat forever. What do you it's think amazing. I'll be into next year? Ah, there's a good quote. Well, hang on, because let's talk a little bit more about what we're into right now. Okay. Which is really that there's an interesting byproduct from all of this. When you really focus on the greater good of the community, particularly in the digital space. And you're really putting out things that are not self-serving, 
things that are helping shape your audience's experience with you, you also start to learn and see how much different you can make your consumer experience. How much different is it going to be for me to buy beef now? How much different is it going to be for me to be doing X, Y, Z? How much more pleasant, how much more valuable am I going to be as a content consumer once I've learned how to be a really good content creator? That kind of thing, which is, yeah, really big. All right, Jen, what do you think Chris will be into the next time we have him on the show? Oh, I wouldn't even begin to guess when it comes to Chris. I'm going to go with beard trimmers. I've honestly thought about starting a beard coaching program. It'd be the a easiest beard thing coaching. in the world. Here's how it would go. Instead of doing that, because I don't have time for another company, anyone watching wants to have a great beard, I'm going to tell you how to do it. Quit shaving. <laughs> oh, my God. Phenomenal. Brilliant. Brilliant. All right. Um, and, you know, I didn't think it had been that long since we had you on the show when you had shaved it down because of a bet you had lost or something to that. No, no, no. It was the, so it's a charity out there in Denver. It's called Socks Place. We're getting ready to take up about 350 pounds of hamburger meat from a bull we processed uh, for them. Right. But they're a homeless ministry that focused on the homeless youth in Denver. So 16 and under kids. I think actually they take up up to uh, 22 and under. Um, and they'll, they serve two meals a day. They provide a safe place to lay down, be out of the cold weather. They provide them relationship growth with the people that run the organization. Well, Eddie from Equity Prime Mortgage popped off when we were down one of their EPMX events. I had my sure. wife there too, thank God, because she wouldn't have believed it. And he's like, hey, man, how much to get you to shave your beard? And I didn't want to shave, so I pop off 100 grand of my favorite charity, thinking that should be enough to shut him up. It he wasn't. his hand out. So we raised just about 200 grand for Socks Place to help them with everything, all the needs that they have from food to clothing, all of those. Phenomenal. Yep. Very all cool. right. It grows back really fast. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Chris, thank you for doing it. I know it's a big deal to carve out some time here on a Monday morning. And in fact, I think we actually were able to capture you about 30 seconds before we had to go live. So we can tell that, uh, your schedule is tight. So thanks for doing it again, man. As always, thanks for having me on. I appreciate y'all. Love that y'all continue to do these. And I'll certainly look forward to chatting with y'all again next year. Yeah. All right, Jen, take us home. What are we up to these All days? Right. We're still in our lull but before we start kicking off Social Media Day Denver. I actually have a meeting later this week to start kicking that off for June of 24, which I think we'll be here before we know it. But if you want to find out about all the things we're doing, you can text TIPS to 63566. It will get you to our podcast on uh, Apple, Amazon, and Spotify. It will get you past episodes of the show in video format. You can get our weekly little tip, book free hours of coaching, um, and get copies of Adam's books. All the things. So text TIPS all the to things. 63566 to get all the things. Cool. Thanks, Jen. Thanks again, Chris. Yeah. And for those of you listening live or in syndication, watching or listening live or in syndication, you can catch us live on Mondays at 1030 Mountain Time, probably 40 or 50 times a year. Where are we at here? We are uh, just a few weeks ago in the year, and we've done 41 episodes now this year, so that's probably a pretty solid number. And for the rest of you, you can catch us on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Podcasts a couple of days after our live broadcast. So tune in next week. And from all of us at Just the Tips Coaching, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you then.